G'day, welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast. And we're kicking off with a bang. This is the first episode for 2022. And with us is the ACT, the Australian Capital Territories Chief Minister, Andrew Barr. And for those who are international listeners who don't know, ACT, Australian Capital Territory, otherwise known as Canberra, is the capital of Australia. And in the beginning of the video, I play a comedy skit to the Chief Minister. And um, it's a three-minute skit about someone who has actually made, you know, made some jokes about Canberra, which are all true, but you know how comedians, they can say the truth and then envelope that within um, a, a, a joke. And that's what's so special about comedians, right? They can actually tell the truth that many people cannot or will not but then, you know, cocoon that in a joke. And so that's what's happened in the first three minutes of this interview that I've done with the Chief Minister. You'll hear the jokes and then you will see and hear uh, his reaction to them. And for those listeners who have kept on listening to the podcast all throughout 2021, we've been going for three years strong. This is our fourth year. We are so grateful to each and every one of you for joining us this year and listening on. And without further ado, here is the Chief Minister of Canberra of the Australian Capital Territory, Andrew Barr. Chief Minister Andrew Barr, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Rita. Good to be here. Well, you know what? I was just saying to you before we hit press record and started that it's an absolute honour to have you first and foremost. And what I'm about to play for you is not how my parents raised me. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to play something because it has to do with my first question to you. So here we go. Oh, hi there, Canberra. I see you've got your lanyards, roundabouts. Been dizzy from going through all the roundabouts, constantly defending Canberra, saying it's not boring, but you actually realise it is boring when the main event for the year is an international flower show called Floriad. Flexing at the fact that you're the number one city in the world at Wordle. Whoop-de-doo. A school trip to Questacon. <laughs> Always being annoyingly freezing. It's not freezing enough to have snow though, which is kind of like the fun kind of cold. Cancel Qantas flight. <laughs> a hail warning. A trip down to Beito to escape the people who live in your suburb, but when you get there, everyone's there from your suburb. Four out of five people is a public servant, and the remaining person is a cyclist in Lycra. Bike lanes on every single road, except where cyclists actually want to cycle. An electric scooter. Getting used to the fact that when you tell someone who's from overseas you're from Canberra, they say, Where's that? Getting annoyed when the news says Canberra made this decision and Canberra did that, but it's actually the politicians who live in Canberra. Actually, they don't actually live in Canberra. They fly in and out of Canberra. Driving past a farm or two on your way to work. A walk around the lake in the direction of your choosing. Katmandu puffer jacket. A large groan if you have to drive more than 20 minutes. Ugh, uh, 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 uh. Posting a pic to Insta of the view from the top of Mount Taylor. Being annoyed you're stuck in rush hour that only lasts for 10 minutes. A random encounter with a rogue emu. Almost sitting a kangaroo. Hot air ballooning tickets that's always cancelled because of the fog. Lots of hot air because of all the hot air ballooning. And the politicians. <laughs> the inability to drive 100 kilometres an hour by law on a road. Lane one form. Signs that say lane one form when the rest of Australia said form one lane. Never surrendering when merging. Sorry, lane one forming. Stupid unwritten rule that the heater doesn't go on until after Anzac Day. This. 
being the most vaccinated city in the world. First jab, second, third. Being from the north and not wanting to go south. Being from the south and not wanting to go north. Bogans. Burnouts. Bogans and burnouts. Sorry, summonats. Talking about your APS level. APS 6 telling you about their EL1 secondment, overpriced <laughs> rentals, when talking to someone from Queanbeyan constantly using the joke, I'll need to see your passport. <laughs> Never gets old. Referring to the city as civic, overpriced parking in civic, getting a parking fine in civic, fleeced lined active wear, nothing being open in January, <laughs> realising right now for the first time you've been saying Monica all these years when it's actually Manuka. Protesters. Being annoyed at protesters, regardless if you think they're right or wrong. Weed. <clears throat> Sorry. Weed in the garden <laughs> and lime milk. Whatever that is. Okay, that's it for you, Canberra. Oh, and that'll be 20% more than anywhere else because you live in Canberra. Okay, bye. <laughs> Next. <sighs> All right, shut up, Tasmania. Okay. I'll do you, Hobart. So, Minister, I wanted to ask you, with that in mind, why is it that Canberra is known as the boring city? Like, it's got that reputation no matter what we do, no matter what we put on, no matter how many little things, the fireworks or summonauts there is, it's still seen and labelled as the boring city. Why is that? I think there's a lot of historical precedent and probably historical truth to it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it's a fair characterisation now, but it, it, look, it definitely was uh, a lot quieter you know, sort of 20, 30 years ago. When I first arrived in Canberra as a four-year-old in 1977, its population was only a little over 200,000 people. Shops used to close at midday on Saturday. Everything was very, very regulated. A lot has changed okay. uh, in that time, and I think it just takes a little while for uh, for, for that perception to mm -hmm. sort of filter through. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think a lot of small cities uh, also sort of suffer from this perception, um, you know, when compared to mm. really, really big cities. I think, you know, we've there's some validity to some points of criticism. <laughs> and that's and, coming from the Chief Minister. And, and we're working on it. When you say working on it, that's really hopeful. What are the things that we... Are there new things that are coming into fruition? Yeah, I mean, we've had a, a, a real focus in recent years uh, on supporting uh, the hospitality yes. sector, supporting mm. arts and creative industries, partnering with the universities to enliven their campuses. Mm. You know, a much bigger picture question about... Uh, you know, where our population um, plays, where yeah. it works, getting those okay. those balances right. It's been said in the past that Canberra has been trying to have a party in too many rooms. That's yeah. what, that's the analogy. That right. so maybe we need to to be a little bit more concentrated in uh, in you know a, a range of areas and places. And then look, the other thing uh, that you know has been emerging and building year on year is uh, you know is increased. Self-confidence, mm -hmm. people pushing back a little on on elements of the oh you're boring, but I don't think we should be too defensive about that. I mean, you know, it's possible to be bored in Sydney, Melbourne, yes, Brisbane, yes, you know, 100%. In, in, in any. Uh, so you know, a lot of the time, a city is is what, okay. what you make of it. Uh, but you know, Canberra has a different set of uh, of attractions and events and activities that reflect 
the national capital status <laughs> and, and this community. So, so when you so it's not going to be a place for you know for theme parks. Yes, and, yeah, oh you know, for sure. You know, yeah. we're not we're not competing with the Gold mm. Coast. It's mm. it's not that sort of uh, not that sort of city. But I think the each generation will will shape the yeah. ev evolution of of Canberra, and it's come a long way. I can absolutely tell you that. Most of the people who I went to high school and university with didn't feel they could stay here, that they had to okay. leave in order okay. to pursue their career uh, or, you know, some, mm, something mm, different mm, in, in terms mm, yeah. of city life. I think okay. increasingly people who are younger people now yeah. feel Canberra has more to offer them. So when, when you introduce yourself to people who... Uh, you know, outside of Australia, and you say I'm the Chief Minister of Canberra. Did they say where? Not so much. I mean, okay. I, I guess they're, they're <laughs> probably been briefed ahead of, uh, you know, ahead of a meeting with me. Uh, it, it will depend. I mean, the further away from Australia you go, yeah, the, of course. Uh, and particularly if they're not, uh, you know, countries that are generally dealing mm. with Australia. I sort of had this. We did this experiment. I was on a trade mission in uh, Washington DC right. about seven seven years ago, and we. We just thought, well, well, we'll do a pub test here. We'll, you know, we'll go into a bar in Washington, and uh, <laughs> our accents will stick out, and then we'll see. And so we did that, and nearly everyone in Washington knew Canberra was oh, the capital. Oh wow! I think they are the capital they, themselves. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Have that okay. same conversation, yeah. you know, in a bar in New York or, yeah, or somewhere that's else, true. And, and that might be a little bit different. But you know, I, I think over time, the I mean, the city's only a little over 100 years old. Yes, so yes. I think we've yeah. also got to give ourselves um, a little bit more time to, to grow up. <laughs> I mean, in, you know, in the context of cities, we're only teenager, really. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair call, fair call. So because you moved to Canberra in, when you were four, you said, and mm. that was 1977. Now, what did you get into politics because Canberra is the, is the city for it? I don't think so. Uh I, mean, I think in sort of reflecting on, on why I got involved, mm. I don't think I mean, it, a bit of being here probably would have introduced some of that that I may not have been introduced to if I was still in Lismore. I mean, my the reason we came here was my, my dad got a job out of uni at the Commonwealth Treasury. So, you know, it was the public service that mm. brought the family here and mm. you know, my mum did her teaching degree at what's now University of Canberra. So... That was how we how we got to be here, uh, and I guess my interest in in politics probably started as a teenager. Uh, probably you know, when this would be the Hawk and Hawkies. Keating governments, mm. uh, so in in the sort of mid to late eighties, and then I joined the Labor Party when Paul Keating became uh, wow, prime minister. Okay. And I think he was prime became prime minister in December of nineteen ninety one, and I joined in uh, February of nineteen ninety two. And so you've just been an, an active member of the party? Yeah, well, coming on 30 years. So that's all uh, you've ever done is be in politics? Uh, not uh, in terms of being a member of a political party, yes. yes. Uh, but that's not the only thing I've done work-wise. So work-wise, what else have you done? Uh, obviously a lot, a lot of other random jobs okay, yeah, when, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was a student. Sure. Uh, and then I spent uh, a number of years working for a media company called Rehame. Uh, really? Which is now, now, now defunct, sort of 20 years on. But... Uh, so it was sales, account management, really? uh, media advisory, those sorts of things. So you were uh, pro at all of this media stuff. It was like a walk <laughs> in the park for you. To a certain extent, yeah. uh, perhaps a little bit more so on the um, 
being behind the camera mm, rather than okay. in front of it okay. uh, and advising on on media strategy and engagement and those mm. sorts of things. But, yes, politics has been in the blood for, for a while. <laughs> for a while, yes. Yeah. Speaking of you coming from a media background, a brief time, at the moment with the elections that are happening and there's this flavour of gotcha journalism, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, just, trying to catch you out, you know? Yep. So in your in your experience, have you had a lot of gotcha journalism that people have just sat down with you trying to catch you out for the sake of catching you out? It, it, it happens. Yeah. Uh, not quite as much in the ACT media mm. as, uh, as appears to be the case mm. uh, in the federal press gallery in particular. <laughs> uh I mean, I think the, it's the phenomenon of the journalists yeah. wanting to make themselves yeah. famous and yeah. part of the story. So I think there's a sort of been a blurring mm. of news reporting with opinion and an increasing trend of uh, of the journalists wanting to be part of the story, not just reporting the story, on yeah. the story. And those trends are colliding into you know, effectively opinion writers and political participants masquerading as yes, journalists almost yes, seeking yes. To, uh, you know, to push a particular view rather than yeah. seeking to elicit information. So mm -hmm. that's that's an increasing trend in journalism. That's driven by commercial reality mm. in that a lot of people now uh, choose which news outlet or which newspaper yeah. um, that they will read or listen to mm -hmm. um, based upon their perception of that organisation, that media mm. organisation's alignment with their mm. political views. Yeah. So you have right-wing and left-wing yep. media yep. Uh, and sort of what's missing now in the Australian media is uh, any sense that there's a single source of truth mm. uh, and there aren't many media organisations that you know, would appear to just be straight news reporting mm. organisations. Mm. The, the two I would nominate that I think still fit in that category that you wouldn't necessarily mm. say have a particular political bias are AAP, Australian Associated Press, which is generally just a news gathering mm -hmm. and straight news reporting organisation, and then SBS. Um, oh, really? You think SBS yes, too? Yeah, oh. I think. I mean, I think their you know, their branding is news. Yeah, uh, yeah. news, not opinion, and yes. that's fair enough. All right, well, that's interesting. So when you when you have started with the getting into the politics, and I'm asking this because of the upcoming election, in the 30 years that you've been involved in the political sphere, space of things, mm -hmm. has have you actually found that journalism has changed or has it always been the same and it's just now sensationalised with gotcha lines? Uh, I think it has evolved technology and available resources. But the professionalism in the industry, like the yeah, questions, yes, the, that's it, changed it, it has too? certainly yeah? changed. Yeah, okay. Um, the, I mean, there's a number of factors that, that drive that, not, not mm, least of which mm, is that mm. you know, the business model that used yeah. to fund journalism was a lot of classified ads, mm. particularly the newspapers. Yes. That all went online and so it just took away a lot of revenue, which meant that uh, you know, many media organisations then had to uh, amalgamate with TV uh, media yeah. companies uh, or radio. And look, I think an example was the... You know, the, the, the nine network sponsored debate that was yes, on last night exactly. that had, you know, someone from nine television, someone from nine newspapers yes, yeah. and someone from yeah. nine radio. Now, 30 years ago, they, they were three different companies mm. owned by three different mm. groups. So what we've seen is a concentration and consolidation of, uh, of media ownership. The result of that is, is less diversity. Uh, and it would seem a, sh a shift towards more confrontational journalism. Wouldn't you think that the government would then have a role to step in to 
put something in place. Well, so they, yes, they. I mean, they they have, and there were rules that that were put in place to maintain that media yeah. diversity. But over the years, they've been watered down to the point that uh, we have now a very concentrated okay. media. And that's with subsequent governments just watering it down and just letting yep. it loose. Okay. Doing doing deals effectively okay. to oh, okay. to allow. Uh, TV stations to take over newspapers, take okay. over radio stations. And so the result is now that uh, you know, we have only a handful of voices within the, within the mainstream media. Now, the counterbalance to that is that there's this sort of technology. There's a lot more podcasting. There's, there's a, you know, a lot of uh, independent journalism mm -hmm. that occurs mm -hmm. online, but it doesn't get the same audience or so far is not getting the same sort of audience as you know a, a broadcast television program, uh, you know, or a, a mainstream newspaper. Mm -hmm. I think that's changing as, as yeah. people are craving yes. a different yeah. a different type of media and journalism. And then uh, you've got the rise of social media. So the the impact of Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. TikTok, and, I love you know, TikTok. And, and do you do your own social media? Uh, I, I do a bit. I don't always have as much time uh, <laughs> as I did before, but I, I'm sort of the one who posts things. Oh, do uh, you? But it will, some of the content is obviously prepared sure, for sure. me. Yeah. Um, but I sort of figured that's the, the easiest way to sort of give approval yes, for it to yeah. be noted that it's actually me yes, is that yeah. I'll read what's proposed and mm. agree to send it or, or, or not or edit it. So yes, it, it is me. Part of that obviously means I don't, I can't spend all my life sitting on social media responding to people's <laughs> as comments. As much as you want to. Well, probably not, actually. There's lots of more productive things that, um, that you could do and ways you could use your time. But I think it's important that there's, uh, you know, a degree of authenticity about yeah. your social media because mm. it is about you. It's, uh, you know, and, and whilst there will always be some content that is uh, either generic or produced for you, there, yeah. there's room in, in all of that for, for your own stuff too. I, I find that it's a greater level of accountability before the days of social media. There wasn't that level of you're oh, not always to account, but Dif now you Different yeah? levels of accountability, different... Okay. Uh, I mean, the, the, certainly the pace of everything has increased. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, you know, it used to be that you know, we would get hundreds and hundreds of letters like written yeah. letters every okay. uh, every week or month into the office now it's it's emails or, yeah. or social media and it used to be that it would take 28 days to you know to Respond. turn around wow. all of that uh now people if they don't get a response within 24 hours yes, start yeah. to get a bit antsy. Uh, a bit antsy but not every issue can have a detailed response yeah. in 24 hours i think that's the the balance you've got to you've got to manage is um people's expectations of an answer versus people's expectations of a well-thought-out answer yes, to yeah. often complex issues. Hmm. And with the current upcoming election that's coming, Chief Minister, uh, what's interesting is I'm seeing some of the um, slogans that are coming around. Mm. And one particular one that I was driving to the studio today that I saw that was planted on you know, the side roads, <laughs> using mm. farmland as you're driving, yeah. that the video was saying. The slogan was for a candidate for the Senate and he was on his slogan was more land, more homes. Mm. Can a senator is that in his jurisdiction to say that he can do that? 
probably at the edges of yeah, uh, like, yes, because there isn't there isn't yeah, cause responsibility. This is, yes. this is like territory wise, his state that he's yes. going for federal, and I didn't Indeed. understand yeah. what's the connection. Yes, uh, quite a. I mean, it's a yeah, it's an interesting one. It, I guess the, the the proposition here is that the Commonwealth would own some land oh, that that it could okay. release for housing, but it still has to that land would have to fit within. The, the city's uh, planning framework. It would have to be connected to electricity yeah. and water. Someone will need to provide garbage collection. So it needs your tick of approval for it in, to go ahead. A, yes, yes, it does. It does need to be integrated into the ACT yeah. system uh, because, yes, the, the Australian government doesn't maintain garbage collection and doesn't mm, run schools mm, and mm. doesn't build roads and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So, uh it's a, it's a curious it, angle. It's, okay. Yeah, so you could say it's a peripheral federal issue, okay. but not really at the centre of... It's um, not grassroots. He doesn't have the ability to make it happen like no. him himself. No, no, definitely Make not. a phone call. And it would be a little bit like me running a campaign uh, on foreign affairs or, okay. or defence. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, so, you know, yeah. I'd say, well, you know, we, we want more uh, army or defence yes, or yeah, air yeah. force or you know, something like that. <laughs> but, I mean, yes, you can call for it, but it's not within your yes. direct responsibility to deliver. So then in, in, in having said that, which is thank you for clarifying that because it was a question to me this morning. So when slogans like that appear or of, of any candidate, of any mm. party, how do we, what would you suggest for us to, because I've got yourself here to give me the clarity here, mm. how would anyone else find out if that is even a possibility what they're saying? Mm. I mean, they're a politician, they have authority, so therefore you think yes, they can. Yes, they think they can, yeah. But for the person who's voting, how do you decipher? Yes, well, uh, I mean, I guess there's... Ideally, if if journalism was mm, functioning okay. effectively, then you know there would be commentary and analysis of yeah. that of that proposition. Okay. And there's been a little bit of that in the, mm -hmm. in the local media. Uh, a, a relatively small amount of research, if you had the time, would be to to then uh, jump on one of the websites of either yeah. the ACT or the or the Australian government, and then that would be pretty clear where okay. the responsibilities okay. lie oh, or don't. You've got to do some reading regard. about it, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah. It, you would need to be quite interested in the issue to, <laughs> yeah, know, to then yeah. do that, that next level of investigation. Okay. But I think what you've hit on there is one of the reasons why the issue is being pushed mm. is that mm. uh, I think that particular candidate is assuming that people won't bother yeah. to do that next level yeah. uh, of investigation and ask that that next question and mm. uh, the obvious follow-up questions because it's even if you are in support of uh, building more homes in that location, the obvious follow-up questions are, well, who's building them? What about the the infrastructure that it will be necessary mm. to accommodate mm. thousands more houses? That mm. obviously means schools and widening roads and, uh, you know, traffic lights on intersections mm. and all of those mm. sorts of things that, that would make that possible. So, you know, they're, they're the follow-up questions. So maybe one of the... The, the things that we need to sort of engender in the community, which I think is is there in large part, but sometimes it's worth just prompting it a little bit more, is to, well, if you like the headline, fine, <laughs> but think about the follow-up question. Think yeah. about how it might be delivered and who has responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's okay. probably the next bit of being an informed citizen. The follow-through, yes. Yeah. yeah. So as you're looking at the current um, election campaign that's going on, you're supporting many of the members of the Labor Party who are going for seats in the Senate. 
Do you think of what they're going through? And you've already been through your election campaign, so you know the rigmarole that's involved. Yes. Do you yeah. think about, you know, I'd like to go a bit more and, you know, and once my term and I'm finished up with being chief minister, I'd like to actually go and pursue federal ambitions. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's been the odd opportunity over the years mm -hmm. potentially to, uh, when there's been a vacant seat, to mm -hmm. nominate for that. I've chosen not to uh, okay. over the years because I've enjoyed you know, what I've been doing right. and I would say that one of the most rewarding things about being involved at the territory level is mm. uh, it's pretty quick from developing a policy, yeah. getting it funded yeah. and then delivering it. Okay. So you, you sort of see the, the results of your political involvement mm. in your own community pretty quickly. Okay. And that's useful. Oh, okay. Uh, Very fulfilling. Yes. Whereas if, if you if you do go into the federal uh, yeah. federal arena, then you know you are implicitly moving to a different set of yeah. issues, as yes. we've discussed, yeah. uh, and then you're taking on a, a national responsibility, particularly if you are seeking to be a, a minister as opposed to mm. a to mm. a local member. So uh, they're the sorts of things that you that you think about. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, sort of absolutely rule out ever yeah. doing it, but mm. I'm also conscious that there are uh, there's only so many years that you. Yeah. you, sort of, you know, <laughs> but there is know. no at maximum you can be chief minister, is there? No, not not sort of formally, yeah. like, like there is in uh, in some countries yeah. where there's a term mm, limit. Mm. But but equally, I think there's probably a sort of an informal set of. Oh, is there? Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, expectations okay. just that um, you know, give someone else a turn. Well, a little bit of that, and that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't overstay your. Okay, your you're welcome. welcome. Okay, um, so you know, that's a that's mm. obviously a question that at, okay. at this stage of, of my career I will need to start okay. grappling with. I'll, I'll be coming wow. up on on eight years in in December. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, that's not the longest anyone's been in no. the role, but mm. it's getting up there. Uh, but I'm. You know, I just turned forty nine, so mm, I'm not. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> You're still a young gun. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. So yeah. So I'm certainly not yet ready to retire. Yeah, uh, for sure. But then you know, you, you've obviously got to uh, make some consideration about, uh, and that that decision making process is is every four years. We have an mm. election on a fixed date mm. every four years, and mm. so. Uh, about a year before that, you've got to decide: are you are you going to run again? Okay. And then, uh, and then people rightly ask, well, if you are, are you intending to stay? Uh, you know, for the for that four years. So, in, in thinking about these things, they're the um, they're mm -hmm. the decisions you have okay. to make. Do you, do you have the energy to commit to another? Yeah, to, to because it's a full consuming role being in politics. Mm. You really don't do you switch off? I mean, I I can. I could best describe it as I can dial things down and mm. you can slow the pace at certain times of year, but not as Chief Minister, no. You, you really can. don't ever get to completely turn it off. Right. But you can you can dial it down. Like you, there are times of the you year. Can, that, can. You know, and I, you have to. I mean, for your own mental health, That's I right. mean, yeah. you can't be yes. on. So if I can, my, my sort of favourite analogy here is to, to use the iPhone analogy. Yeah. Is that every now and then, you know, your battery runs down and you just need to yeah. turn it off and <laughs> charge yeah. it yeah. again. Yeah. And, yes. and then you can come back. And yeah. so, yeah. So I, I, I've learned that. You know, that's the best way for me to to manage it. So, okay. you know, over over the Christmas period and uh, you know, and generally in in school holidays or the winter break in mm. July, I, yes, I'm not going at 100. percent But it it is a 
24-7, 52-week uh, of the year thing, yeah. but, but you can. Because you're the boss. I mean, you're you're the you're the main man. Like you're the boss of the camera. Like you you you, your rules are the what what goes on. I mean, buck stops with you. Yes, Uh, and I guess at that different. You know, we we face some particularly difficult Mm. challenges over the last few years, and there are things now that that make some times of the year uh, sort of well. There's there's greater risk of bushfires or severe storms over the summer. So. The summer used to be quiet. It's mm. not quite so much yeah. anymore. So uh, it tends to be that you can actually probably get a better break in uh, in July, July, in the middle of winter, because wow. you know we, we're not going to have bushfires or God willing, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> you just you never know. If we're having bushfires in the middle of <laughs> July. We are, climate change has yeah. really kicked in. It's kicking in. Then. It's kicking yeah. in. So you're. In terms of moving forward in your career, you're still, you know, you're still looking at options. You still haven't made a decision as to where you would go on further with Finn Federal. Yeah, look, I, I think at this from this vantage point, uh, a lot, a lot will depend on the uh, on the result. Yeah, uh, on the weekend. Uh, we Who are you going start. for? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, reasonably, uh, that's reasonably clear, and I mean that will will either. Uh, but we'll either mean a change of government, we'll, we'll mm. mean that there's an opportunity yes. to, to get a range of things oh, um, done in partnership with you know, with Team Red. Yes, uh, yes. Your eyes just lit yeah. up when you said that. Like, yeah. <laughs> your eyes just lit up. Uh, or it will be three more years of the same sort of, uh, which for me effectively would be mm. eight years, you know, three yeah. more years of the last eight because yes, my yeah. entire time as Chief Minister has has been with a, yes, a, it has. a, a conservative government federally. So. I guess there, yes, there is uh, um, uh, a lot at stake uh, on the 21st of May. So now I want to just ask a few questions, Chief Minister, about just some of the stuff that's going on in Canberra. And I wanted to just really get clarification on your mm. opinions, please. And the first one was I was speaking to some teachers um, last week and on the weekend, and they were saying to me that there's a lot of people leaving their profession in droves. Mm. And as you would know yourself, there's overworking paperwork, there's admin leading to stress, leading them to not being fully present with their students. The teaching takes a back seat because everything else has to be done so they don't get in trouble. Mm. And so they can comply with what the rules and regulations are that are ever-changing and ever-increasing. And I wanted to know, because I know Sydney's got a greater problem with that in Melbourne, but being from a smaller population, in your opinion, Chief Minister, what would need to take place? What needs to happen so that the profession, I mean, yes, there are, there are unions, but every teacher I've spoken to is like, yeah, the unions exist, but they really don't do anything. What can, <laughs> what can we do to just sure. encapsulate great yeah. talent and then keep great talent so they're not being overburdened? Mm. Because once they get to five years, they're now thinking of leaving and they've got yeah. the knowledge, they've got the skills, they've got the how to navigate the terrain in the classroom and they're taking, they leave with that. And mm. now you're coming, so. Yes, so look, there's, well, there's a lot of issues mm. uh, in, in all of that. Some of the, the, the questions around sort of non-teaching administration, there are there are things that can be done to, mm. to make that a little bit more straightforward. Mm. Uh, you'd like, to, to not have, as you, you describe, rules changing all the time. A little bit more stability and predictability uh, in those in those areas. So that in the non-teaching space is, you know, I think there's some things that that can be done to to streamline. Like what? Like what? Well, yes. I mean, I think changing the expectation that 
the role of the teacher is also to be you know, pastoral carer, social mm. welfare, uh, to, you know, to be providing a range of other services and supports yeah. that yeah. are sort of beyond the strict um, classroom teacher yeah. role. Uh, and so within a, a school staffing arrangement, uh, having counselling services available, uh, mm. having youth support workers, having a range of people who specialise in some of those other things aren't necessarily just face-to-face -face teaching is a factor in, in terms of the total staffing uh, of the school. Uh, another, and this is, now this is a very challenging uh, issue for society overall, is that um, some of the... Uh, some of the behavioural issues that some students yeah. uh, are exhibiting in a school context, mm. I think, re reflects parenting. Yeah, yeah let, think, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, there were, you know, there were some, uh, well, I, I think everyone's childhood experience was there yeah. were always some, you know, naughty kids and some bullies yeah. at school. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone's school life would have completely escaped <laughs> any of any of that. And that's been the case you know, through, through the history of... Uh, of our society mm. but schools are just a microcosm and a reflection of our of our society mm. most people behave really well and are focused on getting a good education but you know for a variety of reasons uh, some of them very legitimate and and others uh, i would argue a little bit mm. less so some students uh, become disengaged yeah uh, and uh, a, a lot of that you can you can pin back to and be pretty clear in terms of being able to predict is based on their their home life their level of engagement uh their, yeah. their parents level of engagement with them and their education is is undoubtedly a factor so where i'm going with this is i i, I don't think it's realistic to expect teachers to also be parents and to have to play that role uh completely as well. completely so, yeah so there's a sort of a live question here about well if uh, not every parent can provide the level of parental support mm. that would be ideal, then and it's unre unrealistic to expect teachers to be doing that, then who fills that gap? Uh, and so I, th I think that's more challenging. Part of the answer there yeah. clearly um, involves youth support workers and mm. counsellors and, and other uh, non-teaching staff mm. uh, to assist in, in how schools will run. So that's one part of the equation. The other side of all of this, obviously, is how the teaching profession is mm. structured, how quickly uh, teachers can advance. And then I guess the final observation is that the, sort of the more teachers advance under some of the current arrangements, the, the less likely they are to actually be in a classroom, classroom mm. teaching that they move into the administration and yeah. management uh, of the school as a deputy principal or a mm. faculty head yes. or you know as the the principal uh, and that takes them away from classroom teaching so you know one of the one of the conversations to have and this is not just a Canberra yeah. thing but it's yeah. across the country is uh, how do you create a professional pathway mm -hmm. uh, for your you know your best and brightest teachers to remain in the classroom and to not feel that they have to go into administration. administration. Mm. So is there anything that the government can do to decrease the amount of paperwork that's involved, the admin work? I mean, that's what many teachers who I speak to yeah. complain. Like it's just 
I think it, I mean, that presumably comes in, in two streams, one of which is reporting on student performance and, mm. and giving information to parents. And so I, I, I suspect that, you know, that's the idea that there wouldn't be school reports, wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be a particularly popular thing yeah. uh, and parents wouldn't be happy with, with that and neither would students because mm-hmm. you've got to get sort of feedback mm. on, your, on your academic performance. And then the other side of that is, well, you know, what, what other administration arrangements are there uh, that add to the burden on top of that and that's probably your most fertile so it's more of a school department of education thing that they need to work on rather than a government Uh, compliance policy issue i suspect so i mean there's there is an intersection with uh with some areas of child protection and child Mm -hmm. safety uh policy and now, I guess there are certain mandatory reporting requirements uh, if you know if a teacher observes that uh, maybe the student you know, looks like they they may have been physically assaulted yeah. Yeah. or sexually yeah. assaulted or, yeah. or something to, to yeah. that effect, uh, and so you know that that is I mean that is an, an extra administrative mm. burden, but. I, I think society has decided that that's that, needed. That's needed, uh, and so I mean I. I, yeah, yeah. teachers do do make the broader point yeah. about feeling you know yeah. there's, there's a lot of paperwork administration but i don't think those are the things no no they're not complaining it's yes. like one teacher was saying to me she had a 30 second conversation with one of her students and it took her three minutes for example mm. to capture that conversation because that's what she has to do mm. and it's like everyone that comes into her realm and asks a question she's got to jot that down and yep. it's you know and those are things that she goes and it takes a long time because i've got to go in grammar comes into it you know making sure, sure. that's not shorthand yes. and just recalling what words were used so it's yep. accu- you know yeah. well so in some instances there might be technology solutions that could mm-hmm. that could assist that so just in that practical example maybe it's that the conversation is recorded why there is a you know an, an audio recording of uh, of the interaction oh, okay and so, you know so that could be a practical way and so that it. would come from the department of education right? well i would i would think so but then you know most people have got a recording okay yeah, all right oh, and that there's yeah. permission to do so yeah, yes indeed. yeah but, okay yeah, but that that could be so there, there might be some work practice and mm, technology mm, solutions mm. that uh you know and then I think there is software that exists that would then Absolutely. translate Absolutely the spoken into is, yeah. something written. Yeah. So they're the sorts of things okay. that so you could also look at well, what, what might be ways that technology could assist, assist to reduce the workload. I think it would be wonderful, Chief Minister, if there were a forum in which the teachers could come in and say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's some solutions, I think. And then the policymakers and Department of Education would take that in and see how they could – because just to make – the teaching profession is such a needed profession. I mean, we saw yeah. it during the pandemic, not just for education, but to keep the kids at hand when the parents yeah. need to go and work. Yes, yes. Well, I think a lot of parents yeah. have a newfound yes. appreciation. Yes, of, 100%. Uh, yeah. And so I just feel that if we could uh, – ins- and I'm only asking yourself, Chief Minister, because everyone else's uh, response is it's just too big of an issue. Well, I think if – and we could be like, – because at the end of the day, ACT was the first – uh, jurisdiction in Australia to adopt a legislative bill of rights. Mm. We are the first city who had the most jabs, right? Yep. We have that potential. Mm. You know, you have the leadership that could create 
that forum for us? I mean, is that something you would want to do that yeah, would lead the way? I think it's, I mean, it's a, a relatively straightforward thing to be able to do because, mm. you know, we, we have the professional learning centres where teachers do gather for just these sorts of, they, um, these sorts of engagements. So, uh, you know, a, a practical session on, on some of yeah. these, you know, we're yeah. just sort of thinking... Uh, about how there might be technology okay. solutions to administrative challenges, and that's—I mean—that is called improving productivity. Yeah, if, yeah. if that meant that uh, every thirty-second conversation remained, it be, yeah. a, remained a thirty-second conversation, not thirty seconds yes. plus three minutes, yes. then and multiply that by thirty kids or exactly. twenty-five kids, then exactly. you're in a different scenario. Mm. Thank you, sir. My other question is the current um, uh, the national Karelia in the Parliament House mm. in the colours of the Ukrainian flag. Yes. in support of the Ukrainian people and what's going on there, which is just gorgeous and mm. wonderful and brilliant. You are from a come from a minority uh, group of people and so do I. I'm from a refugee background. And I was thinking, Chief Minister, as I was watching the lights and seeing the beautiful support that is for the Ukrainian people and so it should be, I was also considering, Chief Minister, your opinion, please, on what if the lights of the invasion of Afghanistan, Iraq... Palestine. Mm. What are your thoughts on something to, you know, for the support of the people sure, who are in the same yeah. circumstances, yes. if not worse, because their voice is not being heard? Yes, yes. Uh, well, certainly, I mean, there is the opportunity. Mm. I mean, we're only limited by, I guess, the number of colours <laughs> that, uh, you know, that the, 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 the different mm -hmm. lights can uh, uh, can light yes, up particular yeah. monuments. That, I guess, plus a. Uh, uh, because a number of them are Australian government-owned assets, then you, you then obviously need the political okay. approval of the Australian government to allow those those monuments to be uh, mm. used as uh, as symbols of support. I mean, there will always be uh, a range of political views. Yes, on of the, course. Uh, of course. And you know, Australia would generally take its its lead in terms of views on conflict through the sphere of the United. Nations, Nations. Mm. Uh, and so uh, some conflicts are very clear cut; mm -hmm. others uh, are less so. Partly, I think it d depends a bit on. Uh, Is that because it can offend allies? Uh, well, that would certainly be a consideration mm. that that the Australian government would have. Uh, other factors you know, clearly are you know, the nature of the the conflict and mm. the provocation and mm -hmm. uh, whether it is it is perceived as an invasion of someone else's okay. uh, and then what prompted it. I mean, a couple of the examples yeah. uh, that, that you've listed have obviously their origins in either economic or terrorism-related uh, activities in terms of why Australia became involved sometimes related to uh, resources. Foreign oil has mm -hmm, been uh, mm -hmm. know, the cause of many wars over, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, over a long time. Uh, and then others have been related to a, you know, a response to, uh, for example, the, 2000, uh, the September 11, 2001. You know, they are all factors. People will, you yeah. know, will, will have particular views on, on that. But that you know, was at least the, the public argument for involvement in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, well, there was no the, ma weapons of mass destruction. Well, and indeed, we were, but we, that was certainly not the, the argument that was yeah. mounted. Um, Which is exactly time. why the yeah. injustice that happened mm. to them. And then also the, the Osama bin Laden, was he wasn't even an Afghan. He was a Saudi. Mm. No repercussions were taken on 
Mm, And so that's the, you do see what I'm saying, you know. So the speculation was he was in Afghanistan. We don't know he was in Afghanistan. And and I'm not trying to make this thing. But but it's just asking yourself as the chief minister to just, and it's a genuine question coming from a citizen who is just trying to understand the different approach that governments take Mm. and the, I guess, disheartenment one feels, and you would know that, the disheartenment one feels to be, Disregarded versus so versus other people. You know what I mean. And it's not yes. to say they don't yeah. deserve it. It's just yeah. why can't we all be seen through the same lens? If justice is the lens we're looking through. Sure, sure. And then yes, I man. Clearly, there are intersections with uh, economic interests. With and national. Uh, okay. With, yes. All right. Okay. So you, you know, you, you can see that. You can see that quite clearly. And mm. then whether there is a sense of uh, whether Australia's interests are impacted. Okay. Uh, so I, I take the point. Uh, I appreciate foreign that. Foreign affairs and diplomacy is, uh, you, is, is yeah. obviously not, uh, again, I'm yes. talking a little bit outside no, of thank my, you. my I appreciate areas of direct responsibility, but I I understand yeah. people would, you know, it's a legitimate point to mm. raise mm-hmm. uh, and they're necessarily complex issues to, yeah. to work through. Yeah, but it's you know, it certainly is the case that uh, we at least can have these discussions mm. in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a, yeah. Uh, and that you know people uh, don't find themselves in trouble for raising. Am I in trouble, Chief Minister, for asking no, the question? Indeed, definitely not. <laughs> that's, that's the that's it's it's good that you can have that that Thank sort you. of discussion. Thank you. Well, before we wrap up, Chief Minister, I have just a few rapid round questions okay. that are going to just fire at All you. Right. And first answer is the right answer. Okay. <laughs> and if you can tell me in one word or one sentence yep. your answer to these following, please. What do you enjoy about being Chief Minister? opportunity to work with so many people across so many different areas it's a wonderfully diverse role what's the hardest thing about being chief minister not being able to do everything that you want Mm. to uh, or to be at every event or activity uh, that you want are you a texter or a talker both (laughs) depends on the depends (laughs) on the the person on the person (laughs) what's given you more opportunity what you know or who you know what I know. Really? Hmm. Please elaborate on that. Uh, well, I, I'm the first in my family to be involved in politics. Okay. I haven't sort of come from any any background mm, of mm. it was just expected I would. Uh, okay. And so I, I would argue that I've sort of worked my worked way, way up, up. Through, okay. through the system without owing sort of favours. Right. And yes. I figure it must be on the basis of, uh, what I've learned and what I do rather right. than relying on favours and patronage. Context. Okay, fantastic. What do you believe, Chief Minister, that others think is crazy? Gee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, some some people uh, certainly find uh, social media crazy. Okay. <laughs> some people find international affairs crazy. Uh uh, and others uh, just fine getting through a day. Okay. Crazy. <laughs> Where would you go if you were invisible? <laughs> Good question. Uh, we, it would be interesting to be behind the scenes in, in some rooms. Okay. Where, where decisions Any particular are taken. room? Uh, nationally and internationally. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Give us the name of a room. <laughs> the name of a room. Oh, well, I mean, you know, in the White House. Okay, all right, there you go. Um, there but you then, go. you know, even in the Prime Minister's office yes. in Australia would be okay. fascinating. The next question, um, 
In terms of opportunity for Canberrans, what would be the best way to navigate opportunities in Canberra? Like, would you say just work up the ranks? Would you say go do more meetups? Would you go and say involve yourself? It, as the Chief Minister, you see everything. So how would you say to, for Canberrans to create more opportunities for themselves? Working with others, forming partnerships, okay. uh, seeking to collaborate to solve problems and challenges. Mm -hmm. I think I, I would say that people who have the most success in, you know, if they're looking for a particular outcome, tend to have that success by working with others to solve okay. the problem. Think about who else you can work with to help you to right. get to the outcome you want or where you want to be. Friends. And you'll be surprised how friendly other Canberrans will be to yeah. help you get there. If you were talking to a 10-year-old Chief Minister and you were going to explain what politics is to them, would you use the analogy politics is like a sport, you're always in competition? Would you say politics is like an instrument, it's got to be played really well? Or would you say, in Ronald Reagan's words, politics is like show business, you have a hell of a start, you write a course, and you have a hell of a finish. Well, all three are part of it. Right. But I, would, I, would add, yes. I would add another element that uh, it is a chance to make a difference okay. in the community you live in. And so if you're motivated by mm -hmm. that, uh, and I think most people who go into politics uh, are, yes. you can disagree about yeah. what the outcome they're seeking, mm. um, but they're generally motivated by wanting to, to make a difference. Uh, make a difference and you, make the You don't get like, disheartened when people say, oh, politicians. You know when people say, like, oh, politicians, you can't. Does oh, that ever dishearten you? No, because I guess I sort of factor it in. Okay. Uh, it would dishearten me if, you know, in looking at the parliament I was a member of, right. that you know, the, the overwhelming majority of members were just in it for themselves. Mm, but that, mm. that has not been Your my experience. experience. And okay. even, even amongst my political opponents who okay. you know, I would disagree with, yeah. uh, uh, I don't see many of them, one wow. or two over the years, mm. who you sort of thought, well, actually, they're in mm. it just for themselves. Mm. But no, I think genuinely across uh, across all of the parties, at, at least at the ACT level, oh, um, that's wonderful. There, are, there are people who are, motivated by the right reasons. Now, the, the, the other points you highlighted are all there and okay. are all part, but every job yes, has, has the, yes, some yeah, of those yeah, elements. 100%. And last question, Chief Minister, how do you want to be remembered as Chief Minister? That's a tough one. That's I mean, it'll be in the eyes of, uh, of others. I, I would hope that people uh, would remember me for being committed to the job, for mm. doing my best, uh, for explaining why I would, would do things and why I had reached particular decisions. Uh, and that at the end, uh, well, when, whenever, that, uh, whenever that comes, that Canberra would be considered a better place than it was when I started. Brilliant. Thank you so, so very much. Sincerely, Chief Minister, this space is incredible that you have put together. We are grateful for you and your time, for your efforts, and we wish you all the very best in the upcoming elections for your Team Red. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much.